Welcome to Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am your host, Kristen Sparks. I am the CEO and founder of Roar Inc. Voices Our Power, communications and connections company. I am a corporate and personal growth facilitator. I am an infinite possibilities and certified success principles trainer, currently working on my master certification for the success principles and my BVC coaching certification. I am a facilitator, author, speaker, and thought leader. I am a cancer, broken heart, body, and soul thriver. 2022 is a power year and all about living our best life. I may live with chronic pain, but I find joy in every day in the act of getting up and having a new day filled with infinite options, opportunities, and possibilities of success. Roar with Sparks, How Loud Is Your Roar is all about you. Come join the conversation as we gather weekly to share wisdom, insight, and value, learning from and giving to each other and our special guests, sending our vibration higher and charging each other up all while having fun. Can't wait to see you here. How loud is your roar? Hi, I am Kristen, and I am your host of Roar with Sparks, How Loud Is Your Roar? Today, I have an unprecedented guest, Marcy Shymoff, the author of Happy for No Reason, Seven Steps to Being Happy from the Inside Out. I am honored to call her my guest. I am honored to speak with her today, and I'm so excited to tell you that she is going to be our keynote speaker at the I Do Me Retreat in December the 2nd through the 9th at the Ritz-Carlton here in Sarasota. It is so exciting to talk with her today, and I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes before we dove in to how to be happy from the inside out and all of the amazing things that she is currently working on to just settle in, to just set the intention today to bring happiness and joy forward. Give a hand to those who are looking for a hand in learning how to find themselves. I'm a pirate at heart, always have been. And I want to give you a treasure map to find the tools that are gonna help you find your way in this world. Whether you're just starting out or you're looking at completely redoing your life and starting over. I have done a multitude of different things in my life, and I have restarted my life in many eras, at many ages. And of course, in my middle ages now, I am starting again. And I am so thrilled to be able to do what I do and bring this forward for you. So sit down, grab a cup of coffee, and join me, and let's talk to Marcy today and find out some tricks of the trade. Well, hi. I am so excited today. I have Marcy Shymoff with me. Marcy, thank you so much for being here today. I truly appreciate it. Oh, well, Kristen, I can tell you I'm happy for great reason to get to be here with you today. I love who you are. I love your energy. I love all that you're about in the world. And I am excited because I know we're going to have a fabulous conversation. Absolutely. I sat down a few years back, picked up your book and went, oh my Lord, this is my book. (laughs) And as you can see, 
I think I've marked every page. There is nothing more fulfilling to an author than seeing their book look exactly like what you've just shown me. So thank you for that. I love all the post-its. I love how worn it appears to be. So thank you. You are so, so welcome. There is not a page that I can't open up in the morning and find something that isn't relevant to who I need to be that day, the intention I need to set for that day. It really does resonate with everything that I do and stand for. And so I am just so pleased that you have agreed to be the keynote speaker at the I Do Me retreat in December. I am so excited. You have no idea how much we danced around (laughs) when you said yes. It was the best thing ever. So thank you for that. Uh, Well, I am thrilled and honored to get to be there. I know it will be a magnificent event and I just can't wait to be there myself. Well, we're excited to have you. We so, so are. Everybody on my team is just beyond measure. I am so enthralled with your journey and how you started out and how you ended up where you are today. Can you give us just a little taste on where that began and where it is now? I would be delighted to. You know, people always ask me, well, Marcy, you were born happy, right? And my answer is absolutely not. (laughs) I was born depressed. I came out of the womb with what I call existential angst. Now, I had a great family, great parents, and all the right circumstances, but I had a dark cloud around me from the start. I remember being five years old and feeling the pain of the world. I I think I I was an empath from the get-go. And when I was a kid, my solution to my unhappiness was something called sugar. It was the only thing that made me feel good was sugar, so I ate a lot of it. And that didn't turn out so well because eating a lot of sugar only causes more depression. And, and by the time I was in high school, I was 35 pounds overweight. So all of that didn't work. So when I was in my 20s, Kristen, I decided I was going to get happy. And so what I did is what I think a lot of people do. I set goals for myself. And I figured once I reach those goals, that's it. Then I'll be happy. And I set five goals for myself. And I'll just share those because I think a lot of people can relate. I wanted to have a successful career helping people, a wonderful husband or life partner, great friends, a comfortable home, and the equivalent of Halle Berry's body. (laughs) Now, I got four out of the five. I do not have Halle Berry's body, but I have a healthy body for which I'm extremely grateful. And I'll tell you, I worked really hard to get all my ducks in a row so that I could be happy. And I had a turning point moment. It was in 1998. I had three books in the top five at the same time on the New York Times bestseller list. I had just given a speech to 8,000 people and I had autographed 5,432 books. You know, on one hand, I felt like an author rock star. The client had had a massage therapist massaging my hand every 15 minutes so I could keep on signing, you know, and there were lines all around the corner and all of that. And I remember after autographing that last book, I went up to my hotel room, which was the penthouse suite that my client had gotten for me. And I walked over to the window and I took in this huge panoramic view of Lake Michigan. It was in Chicago. I took that in and I turned around and I collapsed onto the bed 
and burst into tears. And I burst into tears because I realized I had everything I thought I needed to be happy. And I still felt that emptiness inside. It hadn't worked. And I could no longer fool myself. It was kind of the end of the line. I couldn't trick myself into thinking that just that next thing, then I'll be happy. And, you know, I think a lot of people relate to this. And this is why at that moment I said, that's it. I am going to do everything I can figure out how to do. I'm going to research this and figure out how to get happy. And I interviewed hundreds of unconditionally happy people. I interviewed all the top researchers and I started doing the things I was told. And Kristen, it worked. It was like unbelievable to me. It worked. I would say I went from a D plus in happiness back then to now I'm an A. Now that's not to mean that I'm not a work in progress, but I am a solid A through whatever's going on. And now I've shared this with, of course, hundreds of thousands of people and, it, and I found it works and it's simple. So I'm excited because I can really say from my own experience, this works. I think that key, the simple is so important and people really forget that. I got really lucky. My uh, parents named me Kristen Elizabeth Sparks and I am a tattoo queen. I don't know if you've noticed but I had my tattoo artist tattoo on my wrist, my initials. And I looked at him and I went, keep everything simple. Oh, <laughs> very right. cool. Yeah, that's really started to become my mantra is just keep everything simple, no matter what it is that I'm doing. If I can do a small thing, I'm making progress. I'm not looking for perfection. I'm just looking for a little progress. Yeah, I call it baby steps. Uh -huh. Baby steps. That is the way to get everywhere in life is baby steps. And let me just share with you one little piece of the research on happiness that actually can explain why that's true. To me, this is the most important research on happiness that kind of went, oh, wow, that's cool. And that is that we all have what's called a happiness set point. And it's like a thermostat setting. And no matter what happens to us, whether it's great or whether it's terrible, we will tend to return to our thermostat setting unless we consciously do something to change it. This, by the way, explains why people who win the lottery and you think, oh, all I'd have to do is win the lottery and then I'd be happy. Yeah, you would be for a little while, but then you would return to your original happiness set point. This is why all those successes or everything that you think you wanted that was going to make you happy, it does for a while. But then you come back to your original happiness set point. So the set point is the key to all of it. And here's how the set point is determined. It's 50% your genes, your DNA. Okay, I wasn't born with that good, those good genes. It's only 10% your circumstances. Such a teeny little piece of the pie, your circumstances. And yet that's what everybody's so busy trying to change. The other 40%, here's where your leverage is. The other 40% is your habits of thoughts and behavior. And that's where you can really change your happiness at point. Now I'm gonna take it a step further and say that people in the field of epigenetics who study our DNA and our genes, they say that when we change our habits, we actually can influence or change our DNA, which means that 90% of our happiness set point can be changed by changing some little habits. Now that's why it's so simple. It's only about changing some little habits and not making too many changes at once, little simple steps. That's a whole lot better than trying to make your life look perfect on the outside to be happy. 
because that'll never work. Right? Yeah. It doesn't. And how many people do that? We put that smile on our face and we go, yeah, I'm fine. I have a saying for what fine means. Oh, what is that? (laughs) I can tell this is going to be good. It is effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. Yeah, I mean, it does no good to lie to ourselves. So many people, they were lying to ourselves, really. So it's very important to go, am I really in that core level of happiness? And, and, and what I mean by happy is not a smiley face. It doesn't mean that you're walking around 24-7 with a silly grin on your face. What I mean by happy for no reason is an inner state of peace and well-being that doesn't depend on your circumstances. So that means your circumstances change and, you know, we have things happen to us. doesn't mean we're not going to be sad or in grief if someone dies or angry at certain things, whatever. What it means is despite what's going on on the outside, we have an inner state of peace and well-being that we carry with us no matter what. And that's what we can shift. Yeah. It's that centerpiece, that foundational piece that, you know, where we come back into ourselves. I completely agree. I am more happy now than I've ever been in my life. And it doesn't have necessarily to do with where I'm at or who's with me or who's not with me, but it has to do with what I found here, what I found at the core of who I am. And I worked through that, through your book, through transformational coaching with Jack through Jack Canfield, through a multitude of different avenues that I took to learn about who I was, what I was, and who I wanted to become. And it was very simple, small steps every single day that has brought me to a place that now I get to do what I really love doing, and that's podcasting and writing and putting on retreats for women that are transformational from the inside out, not the outside in. Well, that's why I love the work that you do so much, because that's what really matters is the transformational work that's from the inside out. And so kudos to you. I know you've been through your own journey through this yourself. You've got amazing stories to share about that as well. And you really are a beautiful example and an inspiration about how to do the transformation from the inside out. Thank you. I truly appreciate that. And I will accept that. 100%. (laughs) Great. One of of the great signs is being able to receive, accept compliments and receive goodness. So good for you. Yes. And pat yourself on the back. One of the things that I love to teach is the art of the brag and really getting comfortable with saying, I did this, whatever it might be, even if it was just, I got out of bed this morning. I may not have done anything else, but I got out of bed. Yeah. And we really tend to forget those small steps that we make towards our progress, those wins that we have every day. And then we discount them because we're afraid that other people are going to think we're egotistical or we're bragging, which is such a a bad word that I really want to change is not something that we should be doing. And I love, 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 love teaching bragging. (laughs) I'm a big believer in that. Celebrating. It's about celebrating. You know, what we appreciate appreciates. 
what you appreciate grows. And when you focus on what I call your wins or your accomplishments or your, your whatever, when you focus on that, you get more of that. Most people at the end of the day, they had 20 things that they wanted to do. They got five of them done and they beat themselves up for the 15 they didn't do rather than celebrate the five that they did do. That's not a way to live. No, it's not living. It's not living. We're missing that whole purpose of having this wonderful, beautiful life that we have been given the opportunity to go through, to journey through, to discover, to be curious and wonder about how we got here, why we're here, what we're doing, whatever it is we might want to wonder about. And I think keeping that curiosity alive through play through learning to really live within ourselves and learning how to love, love ourselves, love those people around us, whether they are our family, whether they're our friends, whether they're people who have come and gone at the other side or just because their life took them in a different direction. We have challenges and mountains and chasms we have to climb and get over and go through, but each one of those builds this character and this life that we have chosen to live. Yeah. And I am so curious. Tell me about your time with the Dalai Lama. I just melt when I read it. But tell us all about that, would you? Yeah. So I've had the opportunity to be with the Dalai Lama a few times, I think three times actually. And one of the times I am part of a group called the Nobel Women's Initiative. And it's the, uh, some of the female Nobel Peace Prize winners have gathered together to use their collective voice to help causes that further women around the world. And so we're, we're a group of philanthropy circle that support them and we travel with them. And, and so on one occasion, we were in Rome with his Holiness, the Dalai Lama, and such an exquisite person. I will share with you one little story that happened. I was in a small group, not that particular time, but another time I was with him, I was in a small group. I actually spoke at an event where he was also speaking. And um, this was a different occasion. It was in Canada. And we got to meet with him in a small group in a room. There were probably 25 of us. And I remember there was a guy in the room as we were all getting prepared, and he was really negative. And he was just, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is awful. How's this going to be for, you know, his holiness is going to come in and he's got this really negative guy is there. And the Dalai Lama walks in and takes his seat. And this guy's whole demeanor completely changed. And what I believe is, is that in terms of energy, because so many people talk to me about, well, you know, I'm fine, but what about I've got these negative people in my life? And probably the number one question I get asked is what do I do about the negative people in my life? And I use this story because my answer is the strongest energy wins. So if your energy of peace, love, happiness, and boy, the Dalai Lama has got that just totally going on, is stronger than the other person's negativity, they melt. Or at least while they're in your presence, they melt. And that's exactly what I saw happen. And the other thing is, I tell people, raise your own emotional immune system. If you're around negative people, if you're around people who have a cold and you don't want to get a cold, what do you do? You create a strong immune system, right? Same with negativity. 
If you don't want to catch people's negativity, you create a strong emotional immune system. So it's water off a duck's back. They come in, they're negative. You go, okay, it's that their stuff. It's not mine. And you just, it slides right off. So that was um, one of the great lessons I got from, from being in the presence of the Dalai Lama. That is an amazing lesson. I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, I just wanted to share that, you know, what I found, and maybe this is because I love to be really practical for people. Maybe I can share the seven main areas that I found people need to raise their happiness set point. And then people can see where are they the weakest, because that's one of them. But there's six other areas. And what I found is that when we look at becoming happier, the place to start is to look at where am I the weakest in my happiness? So Kristen, as you know, because you read happy for no reason, I found these 21 happiness habits after all my research and all my interviews, and they fell into seven main categories. And these seven categories, it's hard for people to remember seven of anything. So I created an analogy. I call her a metaphor. It's called building your inner home for happiness. A home has seven areas. It's got a foundation. It's got four corner pillars. It's got a roof and it's got a garden. And I'm going to explain how these relate to our happiness. And what I want everyone to do is I want you all to think, which of these seven areas am I the weakest? And Kristen, you're going to be my guinea pig. So I'm going to ask you, where are you the weakest? So here we go. The foundation that everything is built upon is taking responsibility for your life and for your happiness. It's basically showing up in life, not like a victim of life a victim of circumstance. I can't be happy because my parents, blah, blah, blah. I can't be happy because this has happened to me. I can't be happy. No, victim, that's being a victim. Those things, of course, may have happened, certainly, and you don't want to sweep those under the rug. But what you do want to do is become a creator of your life, a victor of your life. So you know you're a victim when you're blaming, shaming, or complaining. Blaming, shaming, or complaining, victor behavior. So notice if that's where you might be weak. Then I'll go through these other six areas. There's the four corner pillars of a house. There's the pillar of the mind, your thoughts. Do your thoughts rob you of your happiness? The pillar of the heart. Do you live with love, with an open heart, with gratitude, loving kindness, forgiveness? Then there's the pillar of the body. Do you have the biochemistry of happiness? Do you have enough endorphins, serotonin, oxytocin? And then finally, there's the pillar of the soul. Do you feel connected to a greater energy of life? I don't care what you call it. God, spirit, divine and creative intelligence, nature, doesn't matter. Then there's the roof and the roof is your purpose or passion in life. Are you doing what you love? And Kristen, I know for you, that's a yes. And then finally, there is the garden of your home. And the garden of your home is what we just spoke about. It's who are you surrounded with? Are you surrounded by the people who support you, the roses and gardenias, the Dalai Lamas of the world, or are you surrounded by a lot of negativity that drags you down? So those are your seven areas. I want you to find where are you the weakest? And Kristen, tell me what your answer is. And I'll tell you what mine is. I am in the weeds. <laughs> yeah. The garden, huh? I think, yep, I'm in the garden. So sometimes the people around you, the relationships can drag you down. Yes, they can. Okay, so that's a place for some work to be done. Yes, there is. For me, it's always the same. Achilles heel tends to be our Achilles heel throughout our lives. And for me, it has been the body. I did not have the biochemistry of happiness. I think that was part of my 
challenge when I was a child. So now I've learned the natural things that I can do to have enough serotonin and oxytocin and things like that. And then also the mind. My mind has tended to be on some negative spirals. So I've learned how to shift that habit. And it does become a habit, doesn't it? If I let my mind go to places that it doesn't need to go, and I continually let that happen when I become stressed or like going through the hurricane, things that go on in your life and you just forget the tools that you have and your mind just spirals down. For me, when I say it's really my garden, it comes up in interpersonal relationships within the family. We have some chasms that we need to get through, get over, get climbed down into the muck and climb back out the other side. And those are hard. Those are difficult. But that doesn't mean that those simple steps, again, don't apply all the way through. So when you are dealing with a garden that isn't quite working the way that you are, and I feel like I have to almost start with the seven steps again. I have a foundation of my garden. I have the pillars of my garden, my corners that are holding up the box that my dirt is going to go into. Each one of those steps of being happy works no matter what part of the house that you're in that you're dealing with. Yeah, it's very true. And specific things, like if you were to do some things in the area of relationship, and I'm sure you already are doing them, that's where you'll get your most greatest return because that's the thing that's the hardest. And one of the things that I tell people, make sure that you find a support system outside of that arena where there are people who are like your tribe, your vibe that you really can go to and feel acknowledged, validated, and supported especially as you are dealing through the challenging and difficult situations. And then I also think that there are some brilliant and fabulous tools that people can use with relationship. Nonviolent communication is one of them. It's a beautiful formula to help with communicating with people. And I think those are great. And, you know, I also believe in therapy when it's appropriate. My husband's a therapist, so of course I'm going to say that. (laughs) But I've seen miracles happen in family relationships, when there's been sometimes a very skilled person to come in and facilitate healing and, you know, forgiveness processes and things like that. So, so beautiful. Absolutely. I um, totally agree with how you put that with the therapy. It is so important to know that it's okay to ask for that help. Asking for help is probably one of the most difficult things for a lot of people. And I know for me, it was especially when I was going through the pain of the fall that I had and just realizing that there was a support system there that you don't even realize you have sometimes. You have to, if you count who those people are that are around you, there are your family, there are the people that you know a little bit, there's the people that you might know a little bit more, and then there's those people that you might not know at all that are there and trained to do exactly what it is that you need. So I had to build that support when I was going through this. I went through a period where I had a reaction to the medication that I was on and I was extremely suicidal. I had it all planned out. I knew exactly the cocktail, the whole nine yards and was 
able to verbalize it when my wife came home from work that night. Thank goodness. She was able to get a hold of the doctor who was able to get a hold of the therapist who was able to get hold of. Then I was on suicide watch for two weeks as I came off of the medication. So sometimes it's not always about what we are thinking. Sometimes there are other outside things that are happening that we need to realize, take effect in and reach out. But therapy in my life has been so valuable in so many spots and going through different trials and tribulations to be able to reach out to someone who does not have that familiar with you is invaluable because they can take a look from the outside and see the whole picture where when you're in it, all you see is the little tiny stuff that's happening, the dust particles. You can't see the whole picture. So I am thrilled that you are also of the same mind. (laughs) Therapy is an important aspect. And I really appreciate what you said about how it takes self-love to be able to ask for and let in support. It takes caring for yourself, especially as women are so busy caring for everybody else, that we're not taking care of what are our needs? What do I need? And is it weak to ask for help? No, I actually think it's the biggest strength to go, I am worth this. And I wouldn't hesitate to ask for help in doing things that I don't know how to do. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know how to fix my car. I don't know how to fix my car. So what am I going to do? Am I going to go do it or am I going to hire a professional? Same with this. There's nothing. It's just such a sign of strength. I find that one of the biggest things that we, and I may have already mentioned this in our conversation, but this lack of self-love is really an issue. And I just want to give people, I love giving people practical things. I want to give you something practical to do, something so easy. It's crazy easy. I want you to, everybody to take a post-it out and I want you to write this question on the post-it. Question is, what's the most loving thing I could do for myself right now? What's the most loving thing I could do for myself right now? And then take that post-it and you put that post-it up on your computer. You write it a couple of different places. And twice a day, every day, you take a moment out of your day and you go, what's the most loving thing I could do for myself right now? And then you go do it. It could be I could get a glass of water or I could go outside and get some fresh air. or I could move my body or I could call a friend or I could start talking to myself more lovingly. I don't care what the answer is. What I care is that you took time twice during your day to ask the question, what's the most loving thing I can do for myself right now? And then to do it. That's the important thing. And when you get an answer, what's the most loving thing I can do for myself right now? And the answer is I can go eat some chocolate cake. That is probably not the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to ask from the deeper soul. What's the most loving thing from your soul? Not from your wounded self but from truly your soul. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I am also in the same school of thought that asking is a strength. Asking is a piece that we do not learn. I certainly didn't learn that it was okay to ask for help when it came to myself. It was okay to ask for help for learning how to use a saw in the wood shop. It was okay to ask for help in learning how to play guitar. It was not okay 
to ask for help when I was feeling something that didn't feel right in my body, my mind, my soul. It wasn't okay to ask for help when I was in true need of that support and assistance. And building that support, that tribe, that vibe, that community is one of the most important pieces of the I Do Me retreat is that ability to have the support of our sisters. We, at least in my generation or my, and we're probably from the same, but in my family and in the place that I lived, building a support system of women was the last thing that anybody ever talked about or did. It was more on, well, you don't have the right clothes. You don't have the right hair. You don't have the right bag. You don't have the right money. You're not driving the right car. You're, you know, all of these material outside things that we didn't have the same, you can't be in the group. And so being able to find that we really are all the same It doesn't matter what we're wearing, what bag we carry, what car we drive, what house we live in. Inside, we are all exactly the same and we need to support each other and carry each other in those times of need. And I think that's true probably more now than ever. And I'm seeing people come together in community and I just love what you're doing with this retreat because I I know that this is going to be a place of deep support, of deep transformation for people, of sisterhood that will continue well beyond the time together. And I think it's brilliant and beautiful what you're doing. Well, thank you. I have to tell you, you've been a heck of a mentor without having ever met you. (laughs) So (laughs) I appreciate that tremendously. Lovely to hear. Good. Yeah. Should we give people another quick, simple strategy thing to do? Yes. I love getting practical. Let's talk about our thoughts for just a minute. Yeah. Because this is the other place where so many people get really hung up. The average person has 60,000 thoughts a day. And for the average person, 80% of those are negative. It's called the negativity bias. We inherited this from our cavemen ancestors who needed to remember the negative in order to survive, but we don't need that so much anymore. And yet we're holding on to that 80% of the negative. What we want to do, happier people, my friend Rick Hansen calls it the Velcro Teflon syndrome. Our minds are like Velcro for the negative. They just stick to us. They're like Teflon for the positive. They slide off of us. You know, all those good things, oh, they just slide off. But what do you remember at the end of the day? Do you remember those negatives, the Teflon, that the criticism got stuck to you? Right. So, Happy people have reversed that tendency. They have the positive stick and the negative slide off. And the science shows us how. There's neuroscience that shows us how to create new neural pathways in the brain. I'm going to give you, there's three steps, super simple. Number one, be on the lookout for the good. You've got to pretend that you're a detective looking for the good. One of the women that I interviewed for Happy for No Reason pretends that she's the Academy Awards Committee and her job is to give out five Academy Awards a day. So she goes around and goes, oh, there's a little cute, little fluffy white dog. That gets my cutest dog of the day award. Okay, so be on the lookout for the good. Number two, savor the good for at least 20 seconds. It takes 20 seconds for the good to create enough energy to create new neural pathways in the brain. And then third, go for a three to one ratio. 
three positives to every one negative. Now the negatives come up automatically. Don't worry about it. Don't beat yourself up for it. It's just, that's the way your mind has been trained. Now your job is to replace it immediately with some other. Now, certainly if something negative comes up that you need to deal with, you go deal with it. But in general, super simple thing. Be on the lookout for the good, savor it for at least 20 seconds and favor it. Go for three to one ratio. So that will create new neural pathways in the brain. That takes no time. This is why we call them simple steps. I love the fact that our brains work to the point that we can reverse and change what our pathways are. So we don't have to keep telling ourselves that same story over and over and over again and making that what our story is today. I have changed my story repeatedly in my life. And at this point in my journey, it is this story of giving back, this story of being able to take all of those stories and passing them along so that maybe the next generation or the people that are next to me can come up a little bit differently and not go through so many struggles and so many challenges to get to where we are. And for me, being happy and being joyful comes down to just taking a minute to breathe. You know, that's what I do for me. And I say, listen, just listen for a second and then smile. It stops that negative and starts it all over again. So now I get to be joyful. I get to be happy. I get to do something that was really good for my body, really good for my mind, really good for my soul and really good to be able to share all of this with you. Thank you so much for being here today. It has been an amazing conversation, and I am so excited to get to spend more time with you soon. Oh, I can't wait. We're going to have such a beautiful, amazing, deep, profound, transformational, life-changing, fun time together. And, you know, Kristen, I just love to share one last little thought as we get to a close, and that is people always ask me, is it selfish to want to be happier? What about the rest of the world? And my answer is, it's the least selfish thing you can do. Because when you're happier, it affects everyone around you and ultimately the world. And there's a beautiful Chinese proverb that I love to share that really sums up that philosophy. It goes like this. It says, when there is light in the soul, there will be beauty in the person. When there is beauty in the person, there will be harmony in the house. When there is harmony in the house, there will be order in the nation. And when there is order in the nation, there will be peace in this world. And that is my prayer and my wish for all of us, that we know that light in our own hearts and souls and that we share that throughout the world. Yes. Thank you for sharing your light and your joy and your happiness. It has been so amazing to sit down with you today. Thank you. It's been fabulous to be with you. We'll come on back here to Roar with Sparks next week and we'll talk some more about joy and how to find it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar with Sparks. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We can be reached at www.wrarinc.com. Thank you again, and we can't wait to see you here next week. How loud is your roar? Roar.